0: Blackbird is a small movie with pretty bad timing. Boasting a formidable cast featuring multiple household names and two Oscar winners, and a story that should be tailor-made for at least a perfunctory awards run, director Roger Michel's tightly scripted family drama based on the Danish film Silent Heart has instead limped into theatres long after an initial festival run was overtaken by a -a once-in-a-century global pandemic. It probably doesn't help that the movie's subject matter, about an older woman with a terminal illness saying goodbye to her family as she prepares to end her own life, is hardly the sunny and uplifting fare the mainstream is gasping for in these plague times. And that's a real pity. Because underneath the flashy cast list and sombre tone, Blackbird's greatest asset is its ability to strike its audience right in their emotional core by being, more than anything else, deeply human. Written by Christian Torp, adapting his own script from the 2014 original, Blackbird gathers three generations of a family at an isolated lake house for an awkward, emotionally charged weekend away. Matriarch Lily, played by Susan Sarandon, is suffering from ALS and has decided, with the support of her doctor husband, Paul, played by Sam Neill, to take her own life before the disease progresses to an unbearable state. She's a fierce, independent woman, and the knowledge of what's coming scares the hell out of her. As Paul explains to the couple's grandson, Jonathan, played by Anson Boone, after the arrival of the rest of the family, Lily is months away from losing all her motor functions entirely, trapping her in a body she cannot control, unable even to swallow without the assistance of a machine. That's why she summoned her family here. In addition to Jonathan, there's Lily and Paul's bickering adult daughters, Jennifer, played by Kate Winslet, and Anna, played by Mia Wozakowska, Jennifer's husband, Michael, played by Rain Wilson, an unusual casting choice that pays off greatly, Anna's girlfriend Chris, played by Bex Taylor-Klaus, and the couple's oldest friend Liz, played by Lindsay Duncan. That's our cast, eight people in a gorgeous house on a lakeside designed by Lily herself during her career as an architect. Michelle and Torp take their characters, sketch them out, and trap them with each other for a long weekend in a maelstrom of difficult emotions and long-ignored personal issues. They're there to say goodbye and to find some measure of resolution to their relationships with Lily, because once they leave, she and Paul are going to sit together while she drinks a cocktail of specially ordered medicine before going to sleep and never again waking. The structure of Blackbird is about as simple as a film can get. At the end of the day, it's really about actors in a room talking to each other. Torp's script quickly sets about burrowing under the skin of all these people, beginning by providing the audience with broad characteristics that give us a quick idea of who these family members are and what their relationships are like. Jennifer is insufferable, an overbearing and judgmental woman who inserts herself into every situation, completely oblivious to the flaws her insistence on criticising other people highlights in herself. Her husband, Michael, is a dull, milk-toast man whose never-ending repertoire of fun anecdotes could be sold as a cure for insomnia and who has the bewildering tendency to wear brightly coloured bow ties that make him look like a bit of an idiot. That's a magnificent tie, Michael, Sam Neill deadpans before the camera turns to reveal a distractingly red number jutting out from beneath Rain Wilson's chin in one of the film's many unexpected moments of humour. The couple's son, Jonathan, a disaffected youth who quickly finds a comfortable rhythm with his soon to be late grandmother, thanks to his being the only member of the family not determined to walk on eggshells around her, is tired of both of them. Then there's Anna, the noticeably younger sister of Jennifer, who is struggling with her own demons. The sister's relationship is strained, as Jennifer prissily rejects Anna's very real struggle with her mental health as attention-seeking, and angrily complains to her husband about the presence of Chris, brought along by Anna as emotional support in spite of the pair's on-again, off-again track record. Finally, there's Liz, quietly moving between Lily and Paul in an attempt to give them support their children cannot as the hours slip away. These are our initial impressions, broad characterizations designed to give us a shorthand through which to understand these people, but over the film's duration, the layers are all peeled back. Added dimension offers a sympathetic edge to characters we initially dismissed as irritating, and by the time we reach the delicate understated final moments, what we're seeing is all too human. We know these people or people like them. God help us, we might even be these people, messy and difficult and packed with spiky emotions we don't know how to deal with. What we're seeing here is all very recognizable and, in the end, understandable. And that's what gives it its impact. Someone like Jennifer, who comes off initially as someone you'd do anything to get away from at a family get-together, is ultimately revealed to be in deep pain, barely holding herself together in the face of her mother's death. And her fussiness is nothing more sinister than a desperate attempt to gain back some measure of control in a situation that frightens and confuses her. This complexity is present underneath all of the characters in the film, and the 90 minutes we spend with them on a windswept lakeside, a lonely-looking setting that feels almost like some hideaway at the edge of the earth, is dedicated to exploring that in an eight-way character study. Attention simmers beneath the surface of all of the relationships depicted in the film as those gathered try to come to terms both with each other and with what's about to happen. Some of the most memorable and affecting scenes in the movie are among the many group conversations, moments where all eight characters interact at once, clumsily navigating their way around the unspoken spectre of looming death that hangs over the gathering. Blackbird has a formidable team of actors to show off, and it's in these scenes that we get to see the likes of Sarandon, Winslet, Neil, and Wozakowska do their thing, bouncing off of each other in a restrained electric storm of repressed emotion. Winslet, in particular, makes some very convincing accent and syntax choices to reinforce her character as one raised by Susan Sarandon, while the less well-known cast members more than rise to the occasion. Rain Wilson, best known to audiences as the officer's resident weirdo for nine seasons, might seem like an odd inclusion in such a dramatic ensemble piece, but his casting as a dopey dad and pushover husband provides a sweet edge of levity, especially working in concert with Winslet as the depth of their marriage is properly explored. In these big group scenes, director Michelle decides not to get in the way. Most often, he chooses a specific static shot, some wide angle that captures the entire set and its occupants and just holds it sometimes for several minutes while his actors work, occasionally ducking in and out of the frame in an effective evocation of casual domestic noise. When the emotions get hotter, though, Michelle gets more involved, cutting into close-ups of pained faces and working his way through the cast as the tension builds. The camera work in the film's standout scene, A Last Supper, starts out stable and unintrusive, but switches to handheld as wine is consumed and long concealed secrets bubble to the surface, ultimately finishing with extremely unsteady close-up shots as the dinner reaches an angry end. It's smart, restrained filmmaking, and it lets the movie breathe and evolve organically. When it's not putting all eight of its characters in a pressure cooker with each other, The movie experiments further by splitting them off in different combinations. People behave differently depending on who they're with. We show different parts of ourselves depending on the situation. It's this the film works to capitalise on, sending warring siblings Jennifer and Anna off to argue in private, an uncomfortable Chris caught in the middle, while Lily and Liz quietly engage in muted reminiscences, weighted with years of friendship, and barely suppressed sorrow. One of the best combinations has a reflective Lily chilling with her grandson, asking him about his plans and secrets. Is there something I'm never going to get a chance to find out? Are you gay? Trans? Something else I don't know about yet? Teasingly asked for matronly wisdom in light of her impending demise, Lily sardonically advises Jonathan that handwritten thank you notes go further than you'd think. The playful exchange a relaxed little chat between a teenager too tactless to avoid loaded topics and an old woman thrilled not to have to dance around everyone else's awkwardness for once is a gem. Sadly, Sam Neill gets short shrift as Lily's supportive husband. Paul and his wife have already come to terms with what's going to happen long ago, and this last weekend is about the rest of the family. It's necessary, but it sidelines Neill, whose few grace notes, a brief wordless scene of him breaking down alone in the garden and a heartbreaking beat where Lily gives him her wedding ring as a final keepsake, leave you wishing he'd been given some more heavy lifting. A final spanner in the works during the last 20 minutes feels just a little too Hollywood as well. One final tortured obstacle too many that the film could have done without. All in all though, The script is pleasingly intelligent about the way it explores all of its characters and the different issues coursing through the family dynamics. Whatever your opinion on euthanasia and assisted suicide, there's great value in Blackbird's graceful, multifaceted exploration of the topic and of a family contending with the imminent death of its matriarch. Supported by a formidable cast of well-chosen performers and a thoughtful, smartly composed script by Christian Torp, director Roger Michel crafts his story of grief and farewells with admirable restraint and a clever eye for capitalising on the narrative's complex group dynamics. Blackbird deserves a lot more attention than it's gotten, and much better luck than it's had so far. Audiences can't really be faulted for avoiding a contemplative picture about death in the year 2021, but I'd argue there's a kind of bittersweet closure to be gained from a film like this in these unhappy times. Blackbird handles its topic with care, and the calm and melancholic final shots leave the audience sad, certainly, but more than that, at peace. This review of Blackbird has been written and read by me, Lawson Keeney. If you'd like to see more of my written work, you can find it at exitthroughthecandycounter.wordpress.com. And of course, you can hear me every Saturday on the regular episodes of this podcast with Harley and Jean for a more conversational approach to film analysis. Until we meet again, I've been Lawson Keeney, and this has been a bonus episode of The Long Watch.